Hi, Emily. Oh, hi. Oh, we returneth to the original opening of this podcast. We strayed. For that, we're sorry. You know, sometimes uh, shit happens. We get excited about new stuff. It's and, true. Um, and we stray. Yeah. But we're back. Uh, we're also back in there our... Yeah. <laughs> we're also back in our beggar, uh, regular recording area. One yeah. of them. Anyway. Yeah. We're at M's house. Yeah. We just did a really cool game that M is DMing for. It's called Kids on Brooms. You should look it up. It's fun. Yeah. I just made it apocalypse flavored. Yay. We do love that. Yeah. I know you all. The I stakes know your tropes. Could, yeah. The, the stakes, stakes can are be extremely high. Yeah. That's and the yet, only way to get you guys to do anything. It's true, because even though the stakes are extremely high, we mostly have to be dragged into doing stuff, because the three of us who are who were brought into the world and unaware um, could not be less interested yeah. <laughs> in helping. Yeah. <laughs> Just happened to work out that way, all except for Kat, I think. Yeah. So I think Quentin cares. Quentin cares. <laughs> he does. He does very much. Too much. That's his problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. So now we're coming coming together to record. Yeah. And um, I'm excited for this one. You handed me a clear drink. Just a clear drink. It's just clear. Well, it's tinted. Well, it's hard to tell in the lighting. It is moody lighting. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I can see a little bit yeah, of pink. Yeah, that's why I told you to stir. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can we try this now? Yeah. Uh, Emily would not tell me what it was ahead nope. of time. I still don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's booze in it. Yeah. That's for fucking sure. Is it vodka? No. What is it? It's a seven and seven, except oh. I don't have seven. Oh, <laughs> it's a seven. So it's and a seven and Sprite. Sprite? Okay. Now I see it. I can yeah. see. I can see the tint of. So basically a whiskey Sprite. Good. Okay. That's good. You, Me. one, have to go first for this one because I went first to the last two. But also, I think, um, based on what you told me about how sad slash angry I was going to be, it's uh, good that you go first oh. so we can get that out of the way. Okay. And then I'll just come in with a weird, hey, want to know a thing that happened? Kind of sure. story. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a new thing that I'm going to be trying. Oh. Because every once in a while, I'm like, damn, that's a really good story. But holy shit, that's a beast. Oh, sure. Like a huge one. It would take an hour just to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still might take an hour. <laughs> but this will be a three-parter. What? Okay. Are you going to... So for the next three episodes, you'll uh-huh. tell this story? Yeah. Shit. Different parts of this story. Okay. Basically think butterfly effect, Ooh. but bad. I don't think that the butterfly effect would be good, good in most no, circumstances. No, it's normally not No, in most things. I think it's like a butterfly flaps its wings and then there's like a tsunami somewhere else. Yeah. So it's never good almost. No. Um, so are, we're going to get one part of the story mm-hmm. and then there'll be another part. It's not like chronological. It's more like... It can't really be chronological. Um, it's partially chronological. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very much cause and effect. Okay. Different this points is the of view. cause. There will be two oh. effects. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk about the cause today. Yes. Okay. Is there a survivor in this part? Yes. Okay. Wow. Many. Fun. All right. I'm afraid. You should be. Thanks. So, first of all, mm-hmm. fuck Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Duh. Yep. Fucking Look, asshole. He's taking ivermectin, bro. <sighs> he's taking it. I hope he chokes. Anyways. <laughs> so. Thank you for that. Presidential power. Uh-oh. It's wild. Nope. Huh? 
Yep. I mean, yes, it is. We haven't gotten upset about the 60s slash 70s <laughs> in a while. In a hot man. Very true. So let's. Okay. Great. I would love to. Richard fucking Nixon. Ah, uh, I feel like nah. you could have done better. <laughs> Who is still, in my opinion, one of the top three worst presidents of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not even thinking about those early bastards no, no, no. who led to the Civil no, War. No. A lot of people sucked. Yeah, Nixon so, was, is up there. Yeah. For sure. He was not good. Who's your top three? Oof. Okay, so Nixon. Nixon. Reagan. Reagan. Trump. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we have the same three, right? Mm-hmm. It, and then Bush, I would say. Yeah, he's Junior. number four. Yeah. Um, so like I said, this is going to be a three-parter, um, because it's, you know, a demonstration of cause and effect Mm -hmm. when a government is destabilized by a world power and then royally fucked by that world power before they dip, dip potato chip. Okay. Okay. Also like imperialism and colonialism is bad. Yeah, we're really coming out the gate on this podcast. Lasting effects. Hot takes like imperialism is bad. (laughs) You heard it here first. You can quote us on that one, baby. (laughs) So let's go back to March of 1969. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nixon is president. Not nice. Vietnam War is happening. Very not nice. The My Lai Massacre happened. March of 1968. Okay, we talked about that one. We did. So this the cover-up game is still going strong right now. Great. So that story won't break until November of 1969, and that's oh. important. Wow, okay. So people already aren't, like, happy about the war protests are happening, but after November of 1969 and then into about, like, January of 1970, a lot of things come in the news mm. that make it extra bad. Because, I mean, this was the first war that had color film depicting. Good lord. Yeah, no, that's that's, everything that's why TV. it's all so yeah. horrible. Yeah. Now, they did do some opinion polls of the public about the war. Mm-hmm. And before... <laughs> How were those? Well, before he did this, mm-hmm. they were decent. Oh, sure. Because there was a lot of spin that they were helping stop communism. Oh, and yeah, the Red absolutely. Scare had yeah. just happened in the U.S. And they were mm-hmm. like, no, you know what? We can we can ride the coattails of this. McCarthyism right. isn't fully gone yet. We can ride those coattails. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I feel like we've used that for to justify many things over the course of a few absolutely. decades. Yeah. Lesser of two evils. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like, we're killing innocent people. Yeah. But do you want communism? But do you want communism? This is how you get communism. Yeah. Uh, so... Are you familiar? I don't know how much they covered Vietnam in school for you. Um, a chunk. I took uh, U.S. history, a- okay. AP U.S. history, so there was more of it than I think the average yes. student would get. Yeah. So are you familiar with Operation Menu? I don't think I've heard of that. No. Well, let's talk about it. It sounds like a dumb name. And let's talk about the consequences and the fallout overseas and at home. So let's... Okay, so the thing we're talking about... This three-parter is Operation Menu-based. Yes. And it's already the dumbest name for an operation. Well, it had multiple parts that coming together made Operation Menu. Is it appetizer? Get, and then I will get into that. God damn it. I'm so excited. Just for that one part. The rest of it, no. So... Cambodia <laughs> <laughs> did 
what they could to try and maintain domestic and foreign policy balancing act between South Vietnam and Laos. Mm. But everyone was concerned. So the prince of Cambodia, um, Shianuk, in 1966 made an agreement with the People's Republic of China that would basically allow Viet Cong forces to base in Cambodia and use one of their ports for delivery. Okay. Okay. Now, the U.S. was not happy about that, but they also, because Cambodia had said they were neutral. Oh, and this is not a neutral. They didn't want to violate that. Yeah. Because Geneva. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of things should end in because Geneva (laughs) and the conventions we did there. Yeah. After another bad war. Mm, Yeah. And they're like, hey, maybe no more atrocities. Here are the lessons we choose to learn. Yeah. And then America was like, we learn no lessons. Maybe some rules of war and rules of engagement. No. No. America doesn't learn lessons. America doesn't follow rules. (laughs) No, no. Now, 1967. Lyndon B. Johnson's president. Hi, buddy. Uh, he's Fifth just, worst. <laughs> he's just intimidating people into doing what yeah. he wants. He's shitting in front of he's people. Shitting as, in front of people. As a giving negotiation orders. tactic. He's talking about his bunghole. Let's do this. Yeah. He authorized some covert reconnaissance operations uh, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I knew someone who went on one of those. Really? Yeah. Wow. He was in Vietnam before the war started. doing reconnaissance so i'm not gonna go into like how the vietnam conflict started or the fact that it wasn't authorized by fucking congress so it's not technically a war it is it's a conflict conflict. right yeah and that means we can do kind of whatever because war has rules but conflicts don't right cool uh so during the election of 1968 for nixon he was like yes i will continue peace talks and we will end the vietnam war in paris Okay, bud. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead. He didn't. But <laughs> popular opinion, everyone was very much in favor of a diplomatic solution. They wanted to see the war end. They wanted everyone to live. They wanted things to be happy and okay. They didn't want more death. I think generally that is what most people want. Right. So popular opinion was like, yeah, that's great. Do the peace talks. Mm-hmm. This is great. We would love to stop being at war. Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then. The talks went away. Um, uh, okay. Nixon so- didn't want to be the first president of the United States to lose a war. Oh, and he thought by doing the peace talks, it would be counting as losing? Is The that... peace talks weren't going great. Okay. He was thinking through what he could do. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Earl Wheeler, January of 1969, was like, hey, what if we authorize the bombing of Cambodian sanctuaries? Like, they know they're letting Viet Cong in, so they're not really neutral territory. Mm. What if... We do a light bombing. Just a little bit of a bombing. So, January 1969. Nice. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Earl Wheeler, was like, hey, what if we do a little bombing? Just a tiny, just Just a skosh. Tiny bombing. So, that idea kept going. And more people were like, okay, well, 
Maybe. <laughs> I but guess. what if we like bombed the underpopulated parts so there'd be no civilian deaths? Ah, that would be good. But then it turned into well, some Cambodian casualties would be sustained in this operation. But okay, in military ways, they're like, well, let's weigh this. Sure, which which is worse, yeah. the lesser of two yeah. evils. Which part do we hit? That- now, the defense secretary Melvin Laird did not like this plan because mm. the other part of the plan was like, what if? The bombings were a secret. Oh. What if we don't tell anyone we're going to do the bombings? Anyone meaning the rest of the world. super quiet. We don't run this through Congress to get approval oh. for bombings, which needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, for military actions of this fucking magnitude. Right. Well, and then, and then a congressperson may run to his constituents yes. and be like, by the way, this yeah. is something we're voting yeah. on. Yeah. This is bad. This is bad. I'm up for re-election. I'm against this. Exactly. You should vote for me if you're also against this. Exactly. And that's that's how some information does get to the American pe- yes. people. And they did not want that clearly. Nope. They were like, well, the peace talks are still happening. If people find out we're going to bomb them, that's going to derail the peace talks. We don't want public opinion to be against us. <laughs> and I love how that's not a reason to not do it. It's just a reason to keep it quiet. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? And at that time, the national security advisor was Henry Kissinger. Oh. <laughs> so you know this uh, uh, is going to be good. <laughs> good is a weird word to use. God damn He it. was like, mm, Nixon, you might be ask- acting rashly. Even Kissinger. But there were no moral objections to the bombings or the loss of lives. They're not people. Just opinion so and we're, perception just so we're talking about bombing a country we are not at war with correct at all who that has is claimed neutrality publicly to claim neutrality yeah so this is every single casualty because normally if you're at war like there's like you can bomb well, because a place and they made the argument that they'd be bombing places where the Viet Cong are oh and we're at war with them right so it's okay yes because those are casualties of war and that's expected right but but the Viet Cong are too entrenched in Cambodian yeah. settlements so, or whatever. Ugh, fucking A. This happened after the Tet Offensive. Mm, mm-hmm. And that made Nixon angry because it's like, well, there was the attacks against Saigon. And he's like, no, that's a violation of the agreement that we made that we stopped bombing North Vietnam for. So all bets are fucking off. And it's like, are they? <laughs> Do they have to be? Are you just mad today? He's just mad. He's just mad just all go the take time. A nap. The man is mad all the time. He should have just gone and taken a nap, maybe he eaten some crackers. Does not have a chill pill. No. This literally was part of his quote madman theory that was meant to intimidate North Vietnam by showing he was a dangerous leader capable of anything. It's like that oh, was his plan. I am going to go all out oh to scare them into submission. Like, I am unpredictable. I yeah. might do anything at any moment. The the kind of thing that we expect from North Korea's leaders right. now is, like, that's that's what he was trying to look like. And he did some bombing that wasn't the Cambodia bombing. And he would have resumed bombing North Vietnam, but the State Department told him no. Because <laughs> peace talks. Yeah, remember that whole thing you campaigned on yeah. <laughs> that we're still doing? Yeah fuck so march 14th 1969 mm-hmm. communist forces were going against south vietnam's urban areas and nixon was like nope you know what it's time it's time is it sir yeah so march 16th he had a meeting at the white house 
He brought in Kissinger, Laird, Rogers, and Wheeler and was like, we are bombing Cambodia because it's the only way to make North Vietnam compromise because he felt like he had to do something on the military front. In his mind, this is to help the peace yeah. talks. This, this is something North Vietnam will understand. Aggression yes. and violence. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because Cambodia again, might not understand. Well, yeah. And Cambodia <laughs> was officially a neutral nation. Mm-hmm. Even if they like, and the view of bombing a neutral nation is an escalation, right? I mean, the I I understand. I guess from a policy standpoint, it's like they're saying they're neutral, but they're not acting in a neutral way, and that's troubling. However, they are right next to Vietnam. They they can't necessarily just say no, right? To and this what is they're being asked, an act of war. <laughs> this is an act of war, which yeah. needs congressional approval, because mm. now you are bombing a neutral country mm-hmm. you can't stop individual citizens no. from doing what they want to do as well no but if as a country, country declares neutral. itself a neutral territory yeah then don't touch them maybe go talk to the un i guess at least just be like this is what's happening come on now. you know how i feel about i know <laughs> but i think oversight is good in situations like this and nixon didn't want any oversight none <laughs> so he didn't go to congress no. So this bombing was technically an illegal act. This is what he should and have been he impeached didn't go for. To con- right. He literally did so fucking much that he could have been impeached for. And he was impeached for Watergate. I mean, which was bad. Still bad. But on a scale, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think this is worse. Yeah. <laughs> so he authorized the secret bombings of Operation Menu. Um, and he kept bombing. Basically until 1973. So there were a lot of bombings. But this first wave of bombings, because that then was a different operation. Okay. But Operation Menu, it was it was bad. It was just it was bad. But they Uh, but the point being though that they did not stop bombing Cambodia after this at all. So the bombings began on the night of March 18th um, with a raid by 60 B-52 Stratofortress bombers. Um, based at Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. Uh, Air crews were briefed on their mission, saying it was supposed to be taking place in South Vietnam, and then 48 of the bombers were diverted across the Cambodian border and dropped 2,400 tons of bombs. Tons. This they're measuring it in weight and not number, and that, I feel like, means something. Uh, Because not every bomb is one ton. No. So there were clusters of bombs, huge amounts of yeah. Oh my god! In small areas, they were dropping them on small areas. Um, <sighs> this mission was designated breakfast. Okay, so it and, is sort of yes. like a. And then after the morning Pentagon planning session, uh, then another group landed by helicopter at a base area to try and capture survivors that they had been bombing. Uh, they were met by intense enemy fire, and then only two of the team were rescued. Everyone else was captured or killed. Really? Yes. So breakfast was technically successful. But? They decided it was successful, and then General Abrams was like, hey, I know of 15 more base areas that we could target. So Even though they, they just did, threw men at it and lost yeah. most of them? Then they uh, labeled five more missions. So they had lunch, snack, dinner <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry they had snack yeah. bro this is Lunch. a menu for children yes snack dinner supper and dessert 
So breakfast, they had dinner and supper, dinner, supper, and dessert. Okay, so Southern people name this. Yep. Who has dinner and then also supper? I'm sorry, was there a lunch? Yeah. That's too many meals. Lunch, snack, dinner, supper, and dessert. Y'all are out here having fourth meal. Yeah. On your bombings. Yeah. This is, I'm so sorry. I know that that's not the point. Stupid names. Very dumb for a really serious crime you're committing. Yeah. They dropped 108,823 tons of bombs during these missions. That's too many of those. So then because they kept referencing meals, they were like, no, we'll just call the whole thing Operation Menu. Both Nixon and Kissinger went to fucking huge lengths to keep this secret. No shit. I mean, because obviously. Because they did not want to be criticized. These are crimes. Yes. Including <laughs> elaborate dual reporting systems of the missions that had been formulated when they were in Brussels because they were on their way to the peace talks. So that it's like, it's almost like uh, maybe nobody knows every bit of this right. situation. Only we piece together yes. the bits of information. And, and then know we what's send out misinformation. Ah. Um, so after Operation Menu, there was Operation Freedom Deal. Which then continued to bomb Cambodia for another three years. Okay. From 1970 to 1973. Wow. And extended the bombing to at least one half of the country. Like, just bombing Cambodia. We're just, we're just bombing. There's no solid number of how many people, how many Cambodians were murdered during the bombings. Um, but a lot of genocide studies and historical studies estimated anywhere from 50,000 to 150,000 with an additional 2 million people becoming homeless. Well, yeah, of co- I mean, they're, they are destroying the infrastructure of most of the country on top of killing all those people. I'm yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, because they also, this will be part two. Oh. I will cover... Um, they also destabilized the government so badly that it led to the rise of the Khmer Rouge, which then committed horrible acts of genocide against the Cambodian people. Great. So, Great. So this is just, the, obviously, three-party. This is a, the tip of the iceberg yes. of what happened. So it was bad. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, during one of the early bombings... There was a combined U.S. aerial and tank attack in Kampong Chung province that took the lives of 200 people. Another raid killed seven people nearby. A local um, resident recalled, quote, some people ran away. Others joined the revolution. Like they were pushing people to communism. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, communism isn't bombing you. <laughs> like that's that's, that's the fucking thing you make it that simple and once that you start. was what they relied on for recruiting I'm like look we're not the ones hurting you we just asked for a shelter for some of our people yeah. uh we didn't we didn't destroy your home right uh, <laughs> families were trapped while hiding in trenches that they dug for protection underneath their homes no uh yeah it was just bad there were some Villages where only two or three houses were left standing. U.S. intelligence did discover that many of the training camps, quote, <laughs> that had been requested for airstrikes were, in fact, merely just political indoctrination sessions being held in village halls and pagodas. Uh, 
But so like no one no one was training new Viet no. Cong. They were just They were just talking. Uh, and it's noted that quote, aerial bombardments against the villagers have caused civilian loss on a large scale. And that the mm-hmm. peasant survivors of the US bombings were turning to the Communist Party for support. And for help. One <laughs> Young Khmer, and I i am intentionally, I'm going to mispronounce that, and I'm sorry, that's the American pronunciation of it. Um, I know the, like, actual pronunciation, and I'm going to butcher all of the pronunciations. I am not fluent in any Asian-based languages. That's, I i try. Clearly you um, are trying. I believe it's technically pronounced Kumai. Mm-hmm. One young Khmer actually joined communists a few days after an aerial attack mm. um, that claimed the lives of 50 people in his village. Mm-hmm. Um, not far away, bombs had fallen on a market for like the first time in 1972, which killed 20 people. And then they fell two more times in that area, killing another 25, including two Buddhist monks. Shit. Wow. So, so many people. bombs hit Bung village, burned it to the ground, and many people were unfortunately trapped in their houses mm. and passed away. Right. Um, near Shalong village, uh, they lost more than 20 people. An inhabitant says, quote, many monasteries were destroyed by bombs. People in our village were furious with the Americans. They did not know why the Americans had bombed them. 70 people from Shalong joined the fight against the incumbent in Cambodia mm. after the bombing. Oh, okay. So this is yeah. this is where we're seeing the destabilization going on. Yes. People are picking sides because... Yeah. Another bombing, quote, over 60 people from this village then joined the communist army out of anger at the bombing. Uh, it's like these are people who would not have done this. Yeah. But they've been radicalized right. because of violence. Yep. March 1973, the bombardment spread west across the whole country around Phlompuen, 3,000 civilians were killed in three weeks. It was reported, quote, refugees swarming into the capital from target areas reported dozens of villages had been destroyed and as much as half their population killed or maimed in the current bombing raids. Days later, the U.S. bombardment intensified, which reached a level of 3,600 tons per day. And the, quote, wholesale carnage shocked the chief of the political section in the U.S. Embassy. Um, And one night he said, quote, a mass of peasants went out on a funeral procession and walked straight into a bombing raid. Oh, no. And hundreds were slaughtered. Ugh. Uh, Donald Dawson was an Air Force captain who flew 25 B-52 missions, but then refused to fly again when he heard that a Cambodian wedding party had been raised by B-52s. Shit. It's like after a while, it's like, no, we're just we're just killing civilians. Yep. And I know that now. Yep. Like, I know that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, three F-111 bombers uh, are three F-111s bombed right in the center of a Cambodian eyewitnesses village, quote, killing 11 of my family members. Mm. My father was wounded, but survived. At that time, there was not a single soldier in the village or in the area around the village. Right. 27 other villagers were also killed. They had run into a ditch to hide, and then two bombs were fell right into it. Oh. So, 
not good. No. And there's a lot. It takes a bit of finding. Um, and you basically, you have to start digging into the Cambodian genocide mm-hmm. to start getting the survival quotes from the bombings mm-hmm. because often it's the explanation of why they supported Khmer Rouge. Sure. And then their regrets of that. Sure. The survivors of this are ones who we'll hear about again because yes. they are involved in some of this yeah. future stuff. Okay. That's fair. A report Ugh. to the U.S. Army in July of 1973 stated, quote, the civilian population fears U.S. air attacks far more than they do communist rocket attacks or scorched earth tactics. Hmm. Um, Chet Du was a CPK, as they call it, Communist Party of Kampuche, um, which is the Khmer Rouge. Uh, he was a CPK leader near Angkor Wat, in northern Kampuche. Uh, 1979, he fled the country. He was like, nope, I'm out. I gotta go. Just gotta get out of here. <laughs> An Australian journalist, Bruce Palling, interviewed him and asked if Khmer Rouge had made use of the bombings for anti-U.S. propaganda. I was like, y- yes. <laughs> oh, you're asking? Yes. Yeah, they have. 100%. Uh, what do you mean? Chet is quoted <laughs> as saying, oh, yes, they did. Every time after there had been bombings... They would take the people to see the craters, to see how big and deep the craters were, to see how the earth had been gouged and scorched. The ordinary people sometimes literally shit their pants when the big bombs and shells came. Their minds just froze up and they would wander around mute for three or four days, which is something that you mentioned when we talked about the bombings in Japan. That is true. Yeah. People people wandered. Just get just get out of their minds about it. Like they can't. They're in shock that lasts for so long. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Continuation of the quote. Terrified and half crazy, the people were ready to believe what they were told. That was what made it so easy for the Khmer Rouge to win the people over. Honestly, yeah. because of their dissatisfaction with the bombing that they kept on cooperating with the Khmer Rouge, joining up with the Khmer Rouge, sending their children off to go with them. Like, not that this thing is the same thing as a cult, but it's it's like this is these are the most susceptible people to some sort of indoctrination. If you want them to listen, like you found them at a very compromised time mentally and maybe even physically. Yeah. And then, yeah, all you have to do is keep them angry. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not hard when we make them angry. There's literally all I could find was one report where they actually killed like Viet Cong with a bombing. One. One? August 3rd, 1973, in the hill village of Playlaw, uh, there was a, a group of tribal people. The village was totally destroyed, killing 28 civilians and five Viet Cong guerrillas. Great. Five whole people. But then Good. they keep going like, yep, we bombed this village and then that village and... 20 people died here, including children, and 50 people died here, and just, yeah, it's... It makes me wonder, like, what did what did U.S. intelligence look like? Did they think that there was more Viet Cong there than there were, or yeah. did they just not care? I don't think they cared that much. Initial reports were that it was Viet Cong. But then after a while, you have to be hearing, like, no, we're wrong. And there's a whole bunch of information out there on... Cambodia's efforts to still remove bombs 
There are still unexploded bombs in Cambodia. I think we've talked about that in uh, Laos as well. I think so, yeah. That there are, and many other area, yeah. like countries in that area. They just saturated mm-hmm. with just a shit ton of bombs. Bombs and mines and things yeah. that people are still searching for because yeah. you'll just run across them on accident yes. still to this day. Carpet yep. bombing. These yep. aren't, this isn't No. There's targeted. no strategy. It's just, it's literally just taking a section of a map and then just absolutely covering it with bombs. Right. And it's like, how how did you... Who thought this wasn't going to radicalize a whole group of people? And right. who thought this was going to help? And uh, Hoover did okay. And that's... We're of. talking about J. Edgar. Not really. Or no, the vacuum. Mm, okay. I yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, May 1969... An article got leaked uh, by military reporter William M. Beecher that exposed the bombings. It was run in the New York Times. Oh, so somebody's talking about it now. Yeah. Beecher was like, I didn't leak it. So there was an unnamed source. Nixon obviously was upset. He was like, oh, no, my secret. Oh, no. My secret war. (laughs) So they pulled in FBI director J. Edgar Hoover. And -hmm. they're like, you need to find the leak. And Hoover claims that Kissinger had told him, quote, we will destroy whoever did this. Hoover was like, I think this was an inside job. No, I mean, who would know outside of the inside? Uh Uh-huh. So Hoover suspected Kissinger's aide, Uh Morton Halperin, uh, and then illegally tapped his everything, his phone, for 21 months. Oh, my my God. Because Hoover's... Great. Yeah, Hoover's also good. Everybody working at this time is yes, good. Yes, is very good. A good person. Very good people. Very Wonderful. good white men. Should get Nobel Prizes. Yes. Uh, this was the first in a series of illegal surveillance activities. Another uh, thing Nixon should be impeached name for. <laughs> of national security, which we did do again then in the Bush administration, but then they passed the Patriot Act, and they're like, well, this blanket covers everything, and we, if we suspect you're a terrorist... We can, we can infringe all of your rights. All of them. And now we just do that. And now there's just an agency for it. Yeah. Um, Nixon got away with it. So not, why wouldn't everybody right. after him do it? Because he said it was in the name of national security. So the phones of 13 officials altogether and four journalists were illegally tapped by the FBI. Son of a bitch. So was it actually this guy? Did they say it like no. this is him? No. No. Jesus Christ. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean him? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, oh, my so God. So the illegal bugging obviously came out. And a journalist named Scan- Stanley Carnell was like, no, this is the first abuse of authority under Nixon. And then he was like, well, then that led to Watergate. Like, oh, well, this this was when he did that stupid shit. And he's like, oh, I got away with that. Yes. And now he can do Watergate. Of course. National security. Right. You make the argument of national security. It's no longer illegal. I can either. T- and I the can president even can't do anything illegal if the president says he can do it. Right. 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 That's a big Nixon move. Yeah. That's like I can tamper with an election to ensure that I am reelected in the name of national security. Right. I can do whatever. We have I can a make war going on. Yeah. 
Trump would have done that if he were even oh, a little fuck. bit smarter. He tried to be Nixon. <laughs> he fucking tried so he hard. He tried so hard. He tried so hard, dude. Including <laughs> the shaking of the hands. Did his best. Uh, John Conyers wrote, Operation Menu Bombings led Nixon and his staff to, quote, become enmeshed in the snare of lies and half-truths they themselves had created. Yeah, I mean, you, you lie a little bit over and over, and suddenly it's like, I've created a different world than the one that actually exists, yeah. and now I have to remember, like, what I and said to who. <laughs> they had created this, like, the way of passing orders through different, like, commanders and admirals, including McCain. He was in this chain, mm. which was fucking unfortunate yeah. of yeah, passing is. the word and orders for bombings. And, and the idea probably being that nobody knows exactly what they're right. doing. You're just passing on yeah. some word. Yep. Uh, so it did finally get to five members of the Congress. Okay. And they're like, "Good, what? <laughs> Say that again to me? Yeah. You're uh, bombing where? <laughs> yeah. For how long? Well, and the thing is, there was no big uprising about it right away. Which I think really accelerated the upset of the American people. Because government moves slowly. Mm -hmm. If we look at the congressional hearings about January 6th and how much time it took just to get those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Amplify yeah. that because they were a fuck ton slower they're just trying to gather evidence yeah. regarding this thing. And instead of, yeah, because, like, I could see that from the outside looking a little bit like they're trying to hide something. Yeah. Like, why didn't you bring this to the American people right away? And it's like, well, we we just heard it, a we rumor. We just heard it. We needed to confirm it. Right. Um, and that takes months, unfortunately, because red tape and bureaucracy. Right. So, bad things happen in Cambodia, which... I will talk about aftermath from 1970 on for a few years. It was not good. Not a good place. But be. media outlets were pretty stellar at getting an inside scoop. Okay. Because there comes a point when you have a soldier who's just being ordered basically to blindly kill or is being sent against their will and they come home. They might talk. Sure. And journalists were going overseas. Film was being taken. Word fucking got out. There are no secrets. Mm -hmm. Like, if you do an action like bombing a country, they're going to find out. Somebody knows. Somebody knows Even something. Just the people in those countries. Right. <laughs> they word, know. Word is going to get out. Mm -hmm. All it takes is one fucking person. Right be like oh yeah by the way and it also yeah it takes one staff member to be like i am not fucking okay with this yeah i am going to email this to the well maybe not email at the no. time i am gonna mail this i'm gonna to the mail press. this to the press so bad things happened genocide came of the cambodian upset because they america also then backed a coup so and that's there was an overthrowing of the government and pol pot came into power and oh yeah Pol Pot yeah and that was bad that was bad that was very fucking bad and that will be part two part two of this um, very bad saga yeah, that you've created for us three uh-huh we're gonna talk about Ohio 
What? <laughs> so when the media outlets publicized what happened in Cambodia, critics became even more vocal because this got publicized like months after Me Lai got publicized. So they're like, no, you're just murdering innocent people for yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're literally just murdering people for no fucking reason. Put all that together and it looks like everyone's a fucking psychopath. Yes. So college students especially became extremely vocal against the war. Oh, yeah. And there's a certain university in Ohio that would become famous. Ripple effect. Yeah. Things happen because things happen. Things happen because things happen. So it was not good. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's really bad, Em. Uh, like yeah. you said, it's really fucking bad. And I'm really and excited for you to do two more parts of it. It's gonna get worse. Stop. Worse. <sighs> We're gonna need a stiff drink for next week. I'm not gonna get too into like the the nitty gritty of it because it's awful. It's awful. Uh, but it's but it's, it's important. Necessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks so much for that, You're but welcome. also not. Yeah. Mostly not. Thank can't you. Can't wait for next time. Yeah, I can't wait for next time. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna become an alcoholic in between now and then, I think. Just thinking about <laughs> how many stiff drinks I'm gonna need to forget this one you just told me mm-hmm. and then be prepared for the one that yeah. you're gonna tell me next time. Yeah. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Would you like to harp noise for us? Yeah, let's harp noise. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. We're back. How you feel? We returneth. Um, I mean, I feel a little bit better now. I've walked away from the story. I'm choosing not to think about it any further. And I did learn a very unfortunate fact over the course of our harp noise, which is that you don't know the banana phone song. So that's hard for me. <laughs> I just need you to know that I'm having trouble right now. As I explained to Taylor... During the formative years of the early 2000s. You were being a little nerd about it. Yeah, I was watching a lot of documentaries and I was doing a lot of my own self-teaching about genocide and other horrible atrocities around the world. And you were singing Banana Phone. I was playing Spyro. Mm Mm-hmm. I did also play Spyro. Okay, that's fair. I was playing Spyro and then I was spending a lot of time on um, E-Bombs World mainly. (laughs) And, uh, oh my god, I just died. Are you okay? I'm good. Good. No, I did play Spyro, and then I also did, um, I was also, at that point, very heavily into Lord of the Rings getting excited for the movies that were being made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, before I move on, just for anybody who was in, you know, on the same part of the internet, just a little present. Ring, 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 banana phone. Ring, ring. Banana phone. I've got this feeling. Don't I okay, that was just a little bit for every that that's enough, honestly. That song, the Emily's looking at me like I'm <laughs> I so that song is actually like one of those earworms that makes you want to die. And the flash video about it is a stick figure man who gets that song stuck in his head to the point like he can hear it all the time. He can't make it stop. And he does just absolutely beat his own brains in because he can't he can't get banana phone to leave his head. So um, it's definitely one of those that it's like it's a little scary to know 
banana phone as a song. It's actually frightening to me that I remembered it five minutes ago. Okay. So now it's not going away. Okay. And you're welcome, listeners. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) All right. Are you ready? This one's a little bit more lighthearted. A little bit. But we do have, in common, war. (laughs) So that's nice. (laughs) Oh, God. War. Yes. Uh. So, okay, pop quiz for you to start off. If you get this, I'll be impressed. But if you don't, I would I would throw no shade. I myself had a pretty a vague memory of learning this, but it wouldn't have come to my mind without re- being reminded of it. So we all know that Pearl Harbor was the event that caused the United States to enter World War Two. Yes. Right. So do you recall the event resulting in the death of 163 Americans that caused the United States to enter World War One? Sinking of the Lusitania? Mm. Was that it? Ding, 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 ding. That is correct. Obviously, there were many factors, but one of the main ones that turned and like German. What do I win? You win my. That was a very weird history fact. You win my esteem. No. Uh, (laughs) No, you win my esteem. (laughs) I've got nothing for you. Damn it. I I like prizes. I told you if you get this, I'll be impressed. And I am. Look me in my eyes. I'm impressed. Not many people talk about World War I. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. They just and talk about Christmas, and, and that's especially it. right, especially since we we took the same stance on both wars until Americans got attacked enough that we yeah. were like, ah, son of ah, a bitch. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. This was not like an outright um, aggression against America the way that uh, Pearl Harbor was, but it, Americans were involved, and it wasn't the only incident in which um, Americans got caught in the crossfire of a full European war. I don't have a crown nearby. I'm so sorry. Knows that I'm picturing you with a crown. I put my dice back on my head. <laughs> You're not gonna. That's sonically terrible. <laughs> you look great. Thank you. You look really good. Thank you. All right. Well done. Thank you. So let us let us go into a brief I'm history. I'm very proud of myself. You should be. Let's go into a brief history for those who are not aware. World. This is. Br- I'm serious. World <laughs> War One began in July of 1914, and as we all know, that was after the assassination of. The band Franz yes. Ferdinand. Yes. <laughs> the Archduke. The Archduke, Franz Ferdinand, and then they made a band about it. Yeah. Um, so then... so the shot heard around the world. Yes, exactly. So when there is a war that involves a lot of countries, life does just largely go on for the majority of people. It's mm-hmm. a big world, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the countries are at war, and there are war zones yeah. in which the fighting is taking place, but most people are living Especially for the U.S. And like, there might be some ration cuts or some material cuts, oh, but yeah. otherwise, you just you keep going. Right. But, and also, especially, like, at this time when we were pretty good on, like, the rules of war still, it wasn't like we were meeting each other in lines on a battlefield, <laughs> but we weren't, we weren't just fighting willy-nilly goddamn no, everywhere. No, no. There was order to it. Yeah, for sure. So, things are fine in most parts of the world. However, by early 1915, Germany seemed to uh, come to a disagreement with Britain and the rest of Europe Shocker. about, about which, uh, which ships they should be allowed to harm uh, based on those rules of war. Mm. So Britain had a little bit sneakily started arming many of its passenger ships to be battle ready. Mm-hmm. It's like their civilian ships 
Fuck but just you. in case. Yeah. But just in case. We just, we need an oopsie gun. They're, they're definitely, yeah, they're going to have guns on them now. Sorry. Yeah. And even more worrying for Germany, they started having passenger ships and merchant ships carrying weapons and, yeah. and, and war cargo, basically, yeah. to specific places to help the war effort, which to Germany is an act of aggression. It's like, you've right. got your civilian ships, but they're still- But they're lies. They're your ships carrying, are covered in lies. Yeah, well, your ships are cover- covered in, uh, like, civilian just, like, targets. Yeah. And then also, underneath all of that, you've got weapons Boom that boobs. we would like to destroy. Yeah. And uh, I, we see what you're doing. Yeah, we, we see you. We want you to know that we don't care. No. So what they did was they, they declared for them alone the waters of the British Isles to be a war zone. They didn't really ask anybody if no. that was chill. They just de- decided. I mean, declarations, you hardly ask anyone if it's cool. Like, hey, can I um, can I just claim this territory? I'm just declaring. Oh, this you're is... declaring. It's like declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, it matters is... to no one unless no. you do something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, Germany's like, all around Britain, any ship could be carrying anything, and it might hurt us. So it's a war zone now. And that means that the rules change about what we can do. So they didn't tell anybody about this, obviously. Why would they? The British are unaware that ships coming to and from their ports are in a new level of danger. Hmm. Um, And I did read, though, that kindly enough, Germany did place ads in American newspapers warning people not to travel on ships that bore the British flag. That's generous of them. Yeah. Because they were, and they weren't, they did not mince words. They were, quote, liable for destruction. We're going to sink those ships, is what they said. <laughs> and Americans, though, they were like, okay, it's but fine. There's rules, and we know that. So we're pretty we're sure that. Civilians. Yeah, we're civilians, and we're going to be on a civilian ship. And um, you guys, if you fire on it for the cargo, we get that, but you'll probably give us warning, right? And like, we'll all just yeah. like get off. Yeah. And get onto like the like wave a flag, right? Yeah, it'll be like fine. So it really didn't stop people from traveling. No, as much as it that probably is should have. The most American thing about this. Yeah, it's like they're literally warned in the best right. way they know how. <laughs> but they're like, eh, it's okay. Uh, I just, I'll be I fine. I don't feel like I'm in danger. This isn't going to affect me. No, 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 no. I'm me. rich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking rich person who travels on a boat. I take a nice to boat. England. Yeah, the Lusitania is a nice boat. Yeah. So this is yep. So, so just a few weeks after Germany declares its intentions toward British ships in U.S. newspapers, the Lusitania casts off from New York and headed for Liverpool. The Lusitania herself had recently been outfitted with weapons. And she was still being used as a passenger ship, though. She is chock-a-block full of civilians, including our survivor, Margaret Guire. Mm. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Margaret. So, Margaret had just gotten married the month before, like April of 1915. Congrats, Margaret. Yeah, to Reverend Herbert Guire. Oh. Herbert. Reverend's wife. What a name. Yeah, she's a reverend's wife now. So I don't know um, if they were on their honeymoon or what they were doing or if they were planning to move to Britain. Um, it did say that they had all of their wedding presents along with them in storage. Oh, no. Yeah. So if they were moving, maybe they're starting presents. a new life. I know their presents. Oh, no. Why does anyone get married except for presents. the fucking presents? Right? Damn it, Germans. That's the only thing that I missed out on in my very... Uh, Imp- well, not really impromptu, but <laughs> shotgun-esque. Random wedding, wedding, yeah. 
I didn't get I didn't get all the expensive presents. <laughs> no. That's what you go through all that for. Well, you could do a vow renewal. You're right. No, I don't want that. <laughs> Damn. That also sounds like work. So they, you know, they seem like a pretty nice couple. It's not like it, it wasn't a bad marriage at all. I think they they had a nice time together. However, yeah. I mean, men and women are of different classes basically, especially oh, in this yes. point in history. We're talking 1915. So yeah. Herbert didn't uh, spend a ton of time with his wife. On oh, no, 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 no. No, he had to be with the other men. Exactly. He is off with men doing uh, other things Menly that stuff. men do. Yeah. He's like smoking and drinking and, and playing cards. darning socks. Yeah. With men named John and Archie yeah. and Thornton. <laughs> and sitting in a shaded area on the deck. Yes. Because women cannot be exposed to direct sunlight. Yes. With men, because with women named Lydia. Yes. With their <laughs> delicate skin. <laughs> Yes, they do have very delicate skin. Lydia and her daughter Persephone. <laughs> <laughs> and another woman named Mary. Yes. And her cousin Mary. <laughs> and her daughter Meredith. And, and another Margaret somewhere yes. in there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're having a grand old time. Yeah. It's a few days journey, obviously, still. This is boat ever so slightly after the sinking of the Titanic. So think about the literally the exact type of ship. Mm-hmm. So on May 7th, Margaret and Herbert do happen to just just happen to be together oh. in the dining hall. They're eating dinner. Cute. Um, with another couple. Oh. I believe that they're another couple. They friends. don't say. But yeah, I mean, there's one woman and one man. That and is the perk of taking boats. You make friends. Right. I can't. It's like a cruise. Except yeah. the deck isn't really for a use by anybody at this point. It's just there to be yeah. a deck. Yeah. Um, but it's nice. So they're eating dinner. And then this is actually a quote from Herbert, her husband. We were at dinner. When the torpedo struck, hmm. there was remarkable little panic. The boat listing badly to starboard. I shall never forget the crash of all the crockery from the tables. Like you're in the dining hall, which is yeah. probably a big place. So every... And this is nice dining, probably. Oh, yeah. They had probably a decent amount of china. Mm-hmm. And of course, Silver it's a proper wear. setting. Mm-hmm. So everything has... 18 pieces of silverware. There's eight forks and, and nine spoons. four glasses <laughs> and then two bowls, including a finger washing bowl and right. a bunch of other shit. There's more crockery on these yeah. tables than there's ever been than I have in my house. In history. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it all comes crashing. Ugh. I actually, no joke, I watched a real-time sinking of the Lusitania animation on, on YouTube oh. to see how it goes. It, it took, by the way, 18 minutes. That's not that long. It's very not long when you're trying to help and save yourself. And when you're trying to lower lifeboats and get people loaded and get them organized. And yeah, yeah that's not. Because um, the Titanic took three hours, according to the movie. <laughs> two hours. Two hours? Yeah. Yeah. The Fair. extra hours for love. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you got to fuck for a bit. Yeah. Um, got to get steamy. <laughs> yeah. So, so this one is quite fast. Yeah, it, holy shit. Evidently, really, like, there was a torpedo that hit it on the starboard side, and that, which is the right side if you're facing yeah. the bow. Just Fun tip. So you know. Port has four letters, so it's always going to be left. left. Starboard has more than four, so it's going to be right. I actually think that you, you taught us that yeah. um, on the episode where I talked about the man who survived the Titanic and a bunch yeah. of other ships. That's just, it's a fun tip. No, it's a good tip. It helps yeah. me to remember as well as I'm yeah. writing things like this. I learned it as a kid from a captain. That's, That's just. It's very good. How you teach kids. It's good because. It's easy to remember. Yeah, it is. It's easy. That's nice. So there's a 10 degree tilt to starboard mm. almost immediately, Oof. which is not nothing. You feel it That's, on the ship. Yeah. 
That's noticeable. And that's why everything goes flying. People are, there's not an immediate panic. Everyone's sort of like, let's just kind of get to the exit. And then as things start listing more, they're like, ah, fuck. And then the lights go out. Yeah. All power on board is cut. Yeah. And they, nobody can see anymore. This is inside. There's no windows. Like nope. They're inside the ship. So This is it, not a full cruise line where there's no ceiling to floor windows looking at the exactly. ocean. No, 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 is, no, 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 no. This is old timey shit. Yes. So there, it's pitch black in there. To Herbert's and his other male friends' um, credit, they actually decided that they were going to help calm people down. Because oh, nice. as people were crawling over stuff and like starting to scream and freak out, they said, like, okay, Panic. we're going to get to the yep. exit. We're going to say, all right, follow our voices. It is going to be fine. We're going to get to the deck. Yeah. Yeah. So it did. They said, you know, quiet the crowd enough. And then Herbert and his wife, Margaret, our survivor, stayed in the dining room for a while while other people got out, just sort of ushering people through the door. The Christian way. I know. Right. Like they're, you know. uh, Yeah. As a reverend, I think he probably was like, this is my. Yeah. This this is is what I do. This is my moment. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. So, Embodiment of selflessness. Exactly. And I mean, you know, honestly, Herbert seems like a pretty good guy yeah. throughout the, for, only the course of the story. that way. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so they're already, these two people, even though they've waited for most of the dining hall to clear, they're already extraordinarily fortunate because they reach the deck in good time and they reach it and they get to the starboard side, which of course is the side that's listing toward yeah. the water. Yeah. And they find a lifeboat with room in it. Oh. And it like it's chaos on the deck by I this bet. point. Everybody who could has reached it and is shouting they and running. They don't have drills yet to train no. people how to exit in an orderly fashion. No. And also, there's not enough time. No. 18 minutes is nothing. There's no fucking time. Nope. The, the crew is out and doing stuff, but they can't handle they, everybody there's on no board. There's no time. So everyone's screaming. Everyone's getting women and children first, yep. of course. Like, yep. even... That's ingrained. That's yes. Everybody knows women yep. and children first. So Herbert does help Margaret into one of the lifeboats with three oh. other women and a baby. Oh, no. But someone also has to, like, work the lifeboat. Yeah. Like, it's it's one of the ones that's suspended pretty high up um, on the deck. So someone's got to lower it. And then... So... Does Herbert die? He does not. <gasps> hey! That's why this is a lighthearted story. Hey. So... So Herbert helps his wife on, and then he helps these other women on, and then he puts he puts himself on the boat because he's going to be the one yeah. who runs it. Um, and unbeknownst to Herbert, in the chaos of this, Margaret has gotten into the vo- boat, and she looks up and she sees the funnels, which are those big fucking smokestacks on all steamer ships. And the way the boat is listing toward them, she thinks at any fucking second those things are going to fall on us. Yeah. And in a moment of panic, she gets off of the lifeboat and she gets back onto the deck. And that, by this point, the the list in the boat of the full Lusitania has reached where basically the lifeboats are almost in the water. They're they're usually many feet above the water. Now it's almost in it. So dropping the lifeboat and pulling away is not all that difficult and doesn't take all that much time and herbert does it thinking his wife is on board Uh oh and she's not Uh oh so he's gone and she is on a very rapidly sinking ship at this point in in the animation once the starboard and most it's like the bow and the starboard side hit for it's like diagonal how it sinks so once that starts going underwater, it's very fast. Oh, yeah. It's less than five minutes. Gravity's wild. 
It's and especially when water is involved. Well, and it creates it just like this creates vortex. a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, it, just it sucks, sucks it itself. Down. Yeah, the ship going down makes more of itself go down as it is, <laughs> as it's going. It just gets faster and faster. So, Margaret very soon finds herself having to swim. Yep. She's full on in the water with several other people who have just unfortunately been stuck on the deck. And uh, look, while like the Victorian era did lessen a bit from like Rococo, there's still a lot of fucking layers, especially mm. boating, higher class lady. Yeah. She's got a lot of layers. Yeah. Here's a, here by the way is a. <gasps> no. No, yeah. thank you. I got here a picture. I believe I it's really a painting of the Lusitania. Do not want. It Zero is. Zero out of ten. That boat should be taller. Yes. And like for, I kind of laughed a little bit. Like really Herbert didn't notice out of like only a few people on his lifeboat that his wife wasn't there because he's on the chaos. side of the ship that Fucking is chaos. chaos. It's like, there's like fires and steam yeah. and like so much is happening and people screaming and running. So I, I get her panic as well, mm-hmm. but instantly she's in the water and in the like, She's she's sinking with a bunch of other people. She's sort of getting pulled under slowly because the boat is being yeah. pulled under. It's pulling itself under by this point. It's not long before the smokestacks themselves, also called funnels, are entering the water one by one. And the the animation that I watched in for many of them, they all sort of fall over before reaching the water, except for the last one. So I wonder if this is the one. Uh, it it falls straight, and if you can imagine, it's like this big metal pipe that's empty so when it comes into the water it pulls water into it yep. really really fast and of course margaret swimming for her life with several other people Uh-oh. get pulled into the smokestack <laughs> in this like vortex of water that just in there and it's her and a man named inspector william pierpont and harold taylor all three of them are sucked in and then at the moment that they are sucked in, one of the boilers explodes and they are blown back out. All three of them are shot into the fucking air and they land in the water far away from the shit, like far enough that they are no longer like under its sucking sort of power that's happening. It's many feet away. Now, before I go on, um, have I told a story similar to this before? Yes, I have. Yes. Because the man who survived the Titanic had this shit happen to him. Mm-hmm. He got stuck and then a boiler blew and it blew him off the ship. And he lived because of that. Seemingly, this happens You a have a sinking type. I have a sinking type. You have a mountain type and you have a sinking type. I do. I have a, I have a mountain type for sure. Did you crash land there? That's my, that's my jam. Um, are you on a sinking ship and did you get blown out of smokestack? That's my jam. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So Margaret, also, this is the best part. She's covered in soot. Yeah. She's covered in it. And it's like, and it's black and gloopy now, yeah. but it's stuck to her. It's absolutely, she is coated. She crash lands in into the water mm-hmm. i'm sure she doesn't remember that moment no. at all it doesn't give me any um first-hand accounts of margaret because she's a woman in the early shocker 1900s, so i'm sure that we just didn't talk to her about it no um, but she crash lands and another miracle of miracles she ends up like five feet from a boat just just one of the lifeboats. Wonder of wonder, miracle, miracle of miracles. miracles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
The press would later say that she landed in a lifeboat. No. That is likely not true at that all. That would kill her. That'd be nuts. That would yeah, be that would painful. also be a very bad That would be bad. Mm-hmm. That's how you get a hole in a lifeboat. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, and I will say this, this does suck because the people the, there were two people sort of running the ship that or the boat the lifeboat that she lands near and they looked at her and they were like we thought she was an african mm-hmm. <laughs> that is how covered in soot uh-huh. she was i was waiting for it yeah i'm like mm-hmm. oh somebody thinks she's black so they're just gonna let her drown the thing is no they were like all right pull her aboard and then you know good for them they realize she's a white lady <laughs> Like, oh, but good. At, at the very least, they did pull her aboard regardless, which is okay. Anyway. Shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. It is shocking. 1915. That's yeah. shocking. You know, good. Everybody's just maybe barely you, a citizen. You find your humanity, I guess, for at least a hot second. You just go, yeah, that person's in the water. They shouldn't be. Not always. <sighs> yeah, that's true. We've definitely done stories like that. Mm-hmm. But these people did anyway. That's good. So, so she's on board this already overladen vessel. And there is a shipping boat called the Peel 12. And it's one of the first boats on the scene. It was actually close enough to have seen the Lusitania get hit and go under. It didn't need to be called. <laughs> they were just, just like, there. three miles that way, there's oh. a fucking ship going down. Oh. <laughs> like, three miles! What are the odds? It's a whole ocean. So, they head there. They they meet the the lifeboats about 400 yards from where the ship goes down. Not that far away. No. And they just start hauling people aboard. It's a crew of seven people. so And they're just all just like, oh, God, just pull them all on board as fast as we can. There are there are people who then take the empty lifeboats and go back out to pick up the people who are in the water. Including, I read this, about a 50... I found nothing else about her or this story would be her. A 52-year-old widow who was just like, give me a fucking oar. <laughs> she just... <laughs> she, would re- she refused to stay on board. She kept going out. In, in the lifeboats and getting more people back over Damn. and over. Yeah. We, I mean, there was like her and two other dudes who just would not stop. And finally, when they, they brought her on board and they'd done all they could, like everybody cheered and clapped for her. Like she's a fucking hero. Yeah. So that's really cool. She is. Yeah. So, Fuck. yeah. I mean, like, amazing. Yeah. I wish I'd found anything more about her because she's a badass. Damn. So, one of these lifeboats is the one that Margaret has landed next to. And it is it is full of people. Mm-hmm. It might have been one of the, the later ones <laughs> because it is just chock-a-block. And she's one of the many, and it takes them a long time to row it. I mean, they get two, like, two maybe four oars, probably four with how big they are. But that takes a long time. They finally reach the fishing boat, and she looks up as they're getting sort of hauled to the side of it and people can start getting off, and she sees her husband on the deck of the boat and he's just staring out in the water with a blank expression oh. on his face and so he thinks he just got widowed other accounts say that they saw him sobbing yeah because he lost his wife and he probably has no idea how yeah he put she her was on in the, boat. the boat she was there <laughs> and then just suddenly she wasn't and now he's like i i lost her I, i'll never see this woman again she died i i let her die so she sees him and is like, oh, thank God. And she gets onto the ship and she walks up to him and he doesn't recognize her because she is covered <laughs> in soot <laughs> and just gross black gook because yeah. the water and the soot is mixed together and she is just, just I nasty. I have to imagine like soot is like cocoa and that it's not 
water positive. Right. I don't think it's going to wash off of her no. because of the water. It She's just... got a cake too. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I think it's kind of, it just clings to the water yeah, itself. Yeah, it's like hydrophobic. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. But he doesn't recognize her at first. But as she's like, hi. <laughs> then he's like, oh, my God, you're alive. As soon as he actually recognizes her, they hug and she tells him, never mind. We lost those awful wedding presents. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, she hated all of them. Good. And they're all gone now. And she's completely fine with it. Yeah, because so- now you have to get a china cabinet. And you have <laughs> right. to keep... The china specifically for when those people come over so that you can break them out for that one specific dinner party. Because it's fugly and you do not want to use it regularly. And also, like, maybe they're going to live in, like, a London flat and they just don't have room for all that bullshit. Maybe. So anyway. Aftermath. So on May 7th, 1915, a German U-boat torpedoed the Lusitania without any prior warning at all whatsoever, which was a war crime. (laughs) The ship took a direct hit, sank in 20 minutes, technically 18. 1,195 people were killed. Oof. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Um, 128 of them being Americans, as I mentioned yeah. at the beginning. Only six of Lusitania's 48 lifeboats were successfully deployed. I bet. That's a problem with when you get a, a boat that immediately lists to one side. Yeah. Because the, the ones on the other side are unusable. They I, almost immediately, unless and you can any run that up are, that. Yeah, no. no. And then any that are under the water now, mm-hmm. they get smashed to bits as they hit yeah. the water. Yep. And if they survive, they're capsizing. Like it's not many other ones. Like in the panic, there I heard about one that successfully launched, and then two men jumped into it from the deck and capsized it. Like people just panicking. Panicked. Yeah. Like so. Six out of 48 is Ugh. so nuts. That is Titanic-level nuts. Like, not good. No. Um, I heard the captain, you know, he was in the bridge. They go down, usually, with the ship, but he's washed away from the bridge. And then he is he hangs onto the mast and is later rescued. <laughs> like, this... I would recommend anybody who just, like, has an afternoon um, to look into Survivors of the Lusitania because usually they are really interesting and strange stories. There is actually the story of, I want to say his name is Andrew Vanderbilt, oh. an American millionaire, Oop. who is a hero of this story. He, I think the Vanderbilts were also on the Titanic. Maybe. I mean, they're very rich and they they're travel, very I'm rich sure. and they travel a lot. He, uh, he, would, he was asking his um, valet to bring him as many children as possible oh. so that he can put them on ships. And... Um, and then at one point he found a woman with a baby and he was like, I'm going to, ma'am, I'm going to find you a life vest. And then he couldn't find her a life vest. And so he gave her his. And then that's the last time anyone saw him. Oh. So he died. Yeah. But he oh. was like a huge hero. Everybody who talked about him talked about him as being calm. Like he was waiting for a train. Like he was just figuring it out for other people. And then he died doing that. Oh. The last time a millionaire ever did anyone <laughs> any good. <laughs> I know. It makes me sad to think about. But there are some incredible stories from the Lusitania. I would absolutely recommend looking into it. Margaret Guire's camisole. One of the few pieces of clothing she made it out with. Because, by the way, when she was blown out of the smokestack, a lot of her clothing came off. (laughs) That that camisole is considered an artifact of the sinking of the Lusitania. It is in a museum. And here's a picture of it. Oh, is dirty. It's in nice condition, though. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was yeah, probably... Yeah, it held up. It's been preserved well. You can tell me. Is this one of the closest things to her skin? Yeah. 
like one of the lower levels of yeah. <laughs> being on yeah. many layers, as you mentioned yeah, before. Yeah, that would be like typically over her corset, I believe, but mm. then under her overdress. Okay, so, so I imagine So then her it'd whole... be like that, and then her dicky would be over that. <laughs> dicky. As it's called. <laughs> Sorry. Of the ruffles of the mm. bit that attaches around your neck. Okay, so she lost all that outer stuff yeah. down to her camisole, which is quite dirty. Yeah. If you think it came in white, then it's very dirty. Um, and that's probably what she was wearing when she actually fell into the water. Yeah, probably like a camisole, <laughs> britches, because I'm sure the dress just got blown to just shit. off. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wonder if her dress protected her on the way out because it, it blew have. up around her. Yeah. <laughs> it might have. Good for her. Anyway, yeah, that's that is the story of Margaret her Wire. Bustle. Yeah, that's the story of Margaret Wire and the sinking of the Lusitania. Damn, I know, crazy shit. I love ship sinking stories. I know you do. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, that's that's two that's two very different stories. Um, mm-hmm. making me sad wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lusitania is pretty sad, but I, yeah. I went up against a real heavy header this time. So uh, I hope that we've somehow lifted everybody's spirits with that story. <laughs> but it is a lot of like how America behaves in war on both of those. So that's nice. There's a real difference. Yeah. In 1915, we didn't want to do a war. Yeah. And in 1969, we really, we want to do a war so bad we're not going to ask Congress. But secret. <laughs> Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Safe. Yeah. Well, that was that. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Uh Oh Feeling episode 96. Woo! Emily, do you want to tell everybody what we learned math-wise about our 100th episode? Oh, episode 100 will be our first episode of 2022. Yes. So we're very excited about that. So we can't miss a week at all. So we're no, not we going to. We are on a schedule. Yes. It's mapped out on a calendar. 100%. This has to happen. Also, we are attempting right now. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a small goal, but we're starting where we want to. Um, We're trying to get 100 likes on our Facebook yes. page for the uh-oh feeling yes. by the end of the year, by yes. episode 100. Yeah. 100 so- for 100. So if you know somebody who should be listening to the podcast, certainly, and who should be liking our page so they can see when it comes out and and see what we're drinking and all of that, then uh, you should let them know. a shout out again to Ashley. A shout out once again to Podcast Mama Ashley Black. Our (laughs) Patreon supporters, thank you so much. You are all so incredible. You have made this happen. To our stealth listeners, who are some people that we know. That we didn't know we're listening, but they are. Hi, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Comment. Share. Yeah. Talk to us. I have seen a like. For sure. I've seen See a what's like. up. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate anything you can do. Um, we love doing this podcast, but we'd love for more people to hear about it. So yeah. thank you for your help. And um, I think you should definitely be like Margaret Guire. Yeah. I think that you should be the opposite of Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger a hundred percent but no matter what happens here out here in this big scary world what you should do is never ever forget your can of Ooh, this is tough don't forget your can of whoop ass <laughs> okay no no we have <laughs> Emily we have beans we have gasoline and we have water Emily I ended us on the water would you Fine. like to give it a- 
<laughs> don't forget your can of soup for your family. Oh, Emily. Emily I have okay. so many. Okay, we're going to go so I can explain <laughs> some shit to Emily. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Ring, 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 banana phone. Ring, 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 banana phone. I've got this feeling so appealing for us to get together.